solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Locked On Texans podcast a crossover edition with the Locked On Coats. My boy Evan has joined us. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans and Locked On Coats your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major platforms. I'm excited for today's episode, you guys. Of course, I'm joined by Cody Davis because we're talking to an Indianapolis Coat team that has been very good this season after starting one and three. I can't wait to talk on, on that. But Evan, Welcome into the crossover show, Cody. Welcome, and you guys know what we're here to do. Let's talk Texans. Let's talk to- uh, Coats. Let's talk football. Let's dive into it. <laughs> yes, sir. And Evan, my first question that I want to ask you on the Indianapolis Colts side of things, you know, as John just alluded to, you guys started one in three, but you were, you guys have been able to turn turn things around recently. You are coming inside NRG Stadium with a six and six record. With all that being said. Through the first 12 games of the season, would you consider this a disappointment, especially with Carson Wentz, knowing that last year at this time you guys were 8-4, and four, if I'm not mistaken, and, of course, that was with Phillip Rivers at quarterback? Honestly, I would say it's what I expected, but when you dive into the numbers and look even further, guys, the Colts have led over the last nine weeks by 10-plus points in every single game, yet they've, they've lost three of those games. They choked against Baltimore – they choked against Tennessee. They choked last Sunday against Tampa Bay as well. So they could be potentially a, a number one seed in the AFC right now if they were nine and three and looking at those tiebreakers that they beat Baltimore. So it's just been a really bad luck of the Colts not closing games this year. I think overall it's been a solid year. What I expected, Carson Wentz is a lot better than I thought he'd be in the system in, in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. John Taylor, as we all know, is a superstar running back in this league now, going to take that rushing crown this year from Derrick Henry. Michael Pittman is ascending as well. The defense is young, but getting better as well. I think there's a couple pieces away. If you had another weapon for Carson Wentz next year, a wide receiver, if you go out and get a left tackle in the draft or in free agency, I think this Colts team is very close. 2021 was always an evaluation year, but now with 2022, I think this could be a team that really takes a big leap next year. Before I start asking my question, I do want to dedicate today's show to my father who passed away uh, 12 years ago, had an opportunity to celebrate his birthday. I'm wearing his shirt. Thanks to you, Pop. I'm here where I am right now. But I want to dive into Chris Ballard. I'm reminded of an article I read on ESPN that said, this is how the Indianapolis Colts general manager Chris Ballard views building his roster. Uh, This is when you guys were one and three. He wants to win, but he wants to do it his way, which has been building the roster through the draft and being selective when it comes to free agency and trades. Evan, how will you grade general manager Chris Ballard at this time? I would give him an A minus. I think he's obviously one of the best talent evaluators in the NFL. He's hit almost every single year in the draft as far as at least one or two studs in a draft class. I mean, Quiddy Pay's coming on this year. The rookies had three sacks in the last three games. Dio Dangbo, their second round picks really flashing as well. And also, if you look back at other draft classes, 2018, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith. 2019, you add in guys like Bobby Okariki and Rocky Asin. 2020, you add a couple pieces in there as well. Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor. He's one of the best talent evaluators in the NFL. I think the trades he's made too, you add DeForest Buckner for a first-round pick. That was a huge success for them. And then you add in as well Carson Wentz for a first and a third-round pick. 
if Wentz plays this level throughout his career in Indianapolis, it's a very solid win for this Colts team. So I would say I I, I think there's little doubt that Chris Bauer is a top five GM in the NFL just as far as talent evaluation goes. I think I'm looking forward to 2022 because I think this is the, the offseason where Chris Bauer finally pushes those chips in and kind of gets aggressive. Evan, how far do you think this team will be able to go once the playoffs start? I think, honestly, this team reminds me a little bit of Tennessee last year where you could ride your bell cow with Derrick Henry and you can make a deep playoff run. We saw it in Buffalo a couple weeks ago where they just went into Buffalo in the, in the cold conditions and just destroyed the Bills. Jonathan Taylor went off for 200-plus yards in that game. The offensive line was dominant. The Colts forced turnovers on that side as well, harassed Josh Allen a little bit. It's all about Jonathan Taylor. If Carson Wentz can play solid football and not turn the ball over, that's a plus, but – if John Terry plays like Derrick Henry did in the playoffs last year, I think this Colts team could win a game or two. I, I, I'm i not going to say they go to a Super Bowl or anything like that, but I think they're easily one of those teams in the wild card where you're thinking if you're a, like a two or three seed, you don't want to play against this Colts team because you're going against one of the best running backs in the NFL. You're going against a, a solid defense. A quarterback doesn't really make much mistakes anymore in Carson Wentz. They kind of have the perfect recipe in place to be sort of a spoiler if they do get in the playoffs. Mm. And I'm kind of glad that you mentioned Jonathan Taylor because, of course, we, we cannot do a crossover episode without talking about arguably the best running back in the game today. And I, I got to ask you this question. Do you think it's a little bit disrespectful that Taylor isn't getting that much um, th that much hype surrounding his MVP candidacy? Because, you know, I take a look at Jonathan Taylor and I saw an interesting stat today that when he rushes for over 100 yards, you guys are 6-0. Are but if he rushes under 100, you guys are 0-6. Like, yeah. that is a crazy stat. And, of course, you know, it doesn't matter what league. Anytime we talk about MVP, you always got to talk about most valuable player. And with Derrick Henry on the shelf, arguably for the rest of the season, you're looking at a situation where Taylor might be this league's MVP. I think it's a fair argument to make. I think if the Colts would have pulled off the win on Sunday against Tampa Bay, I think it would have helped this case a lot. But Tom Brady, it looks like, is now the MVP fair from everything I've heard and listened to. It's probably going to be Tom Brady this year at 44 years old, which is crazy to say. But I think Offense Player of the Year, if you're looking at that, John Terry, I think, has that pretty much wrapped up. I mean, his numbers this year he's on pace for is absolutely crazy. 2,200 scrimmage yards, 23 touchdowns for a running back in a single season. That'd be one of the most dominant seasons we've seen since Daniel Tomlinson 15 years ago. It just goes to show you how special a running back this guy is. He's only 22 years old, too. Just think what he's going to be like when he's 25 or 26. You know, so we're talking a lot about the offense, Jonathan Taylor, Carson Wentz, and things of that nature. But you know who's gotten a lot of praise when this six-game win streak started? The New England Patriots. they gotten a lot of praise. Why? Because their defense has been dominant. But you know who's the number one team in uh, turnover differential in the NFL? The Indianapolis Colts. And by the way, you guys remember the Houston Texans tried to poach away Matt Eberflus, right? He's done a great job, especially within the last three to four games, getting this defense where it is. And I do think that uh, right now, a lot of these wins, I believe, fall on the offense a little bit. However, 14 interceptions, 13 fumbles, 27 total uh, turnovers so far this year. How impressed have you been with Matt Eberflus and this defense? I will say I will deflect off Matty Refluce a little bit because I've been a little concerned just with the way they've blown leads a lot in these games. I've mentioned before with Baltimore, Tennessee, 
this last week against Tampa Bay. They, it seems like Eberflus, like he plays a lot of soft zone when I feel like he should mix up a little bit more. And I think quarterbacks, at least a- average to elite quarterbacks, kind of expose that scheme a little bit. But you are right about the takeaways. I mean, this Colts team has been awesome so far. Turnover differential, they lead the NFL in takeaways. But a lot of that is due to Darius Leonard. Uh, he has 12 total takeaways by himself this year. It's it, it's just insane what he's doing. He's He has the Goodness. peanut punch down. I think he has six forced fumbles this year already. A couple interceptions. Now you guys actually lead the NFL in fumbles. Yes, yeah. It's all due to number 53. I mean, he's had a, a lot of those. And it's fair to say, we're talking about awards. I think Darius Leonard has forced himself into discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, 12 turnovers in 13 games is an insane number. I mean, he's on pace for 15 turnovers by himself this year, which I think should get him praise for Defensive Player of the Year. So that's the end of our first segment here for our crossover special. We'll be back here in just a moment. We'll talk about the Houston Texans, who are a little interesting as far as the end of the season goes for them. We'll dive into that. Before we do that, though, a quick word from our sponsors. Absolutely. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose, right? Winning feels so much better than losing, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. That hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house. In a head-to-head fantasy matchup, winner takes all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% match. Excuse me, for a 100% match, stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on. Terms and conditions do apply. Cannot wait to talk about the Houston Texans. Well, I can't wait because we, you know, we're not really that good. But on the other side of the break, we'll be back with more. We are back now for our second segment of our show. We're going to be closing the show later on, talking about our biggest keys to the game and our predictions. But in the meantime, I'll give you guys the floor here to talk about the Houston Texans and ask you guys some questions because it's been an interesting year down in Houston, I must say. And um, Cody, I'll start off with you. I mean, what's been the read in Houston so far this year? It's been an up and down season, come off now, I believe, a loss to the Jets now. So what was your biggest takeaway from that game on Sunday, but also the entire season in Houston? Obviously, the quarterback drama going on there. You're looking ahead to the draft, I have to imagine, at this point. What's it like in Houston right now? Dysfunction. Plain and simple. (laughs) That's the best way you could describe it because you're looking at a situation where, of course, coming into the season, everybody thought that this was going to be the first 0-17 team in in NFL history. Evan, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, during our ultimate crossover, you actually said that we were going to go 0-17. But we – Fed into the lies that I'm calling it now that Nick Asirio, David Cully, and the rest of the coaching staff brought in because they brought all these veterans and they were talking about how they was going to come out and compete. And everything looked good in the first game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But something happened in the second game. Tyrod Taylor pulled his hamstring and then all hell breaks loose. You have questionable suspensions going on. You have questionable releases and trades going on. And now you're looking at a situation where the Houston Texans are two and nine. And now we are like these last six games. Nobody know what is the best direction for the Texans. You have all of these veterans who signed one-year contracts, so they still want to put good tape out there. They still want to go out there and compete and try to win games so they can have an opportunity to keep not, not just a job with the Texans, but just in hopes of getting a job with another team. 
But on the flip side of things, you got a young quarterback like Davis Mills. You got young studs like John Grenard, who has been one of, if not the brightest spot for the Houston Texans this entire season. Of course, you got young guys like Nico Collins. We want to see the young guys. These last six games, you need to play them. But of course, if you do that, then it's kind of like you waving a white flag and you are so-called tanking at this point. David Cully and Nick Casario, they don't know what they want to do. The reporters at this point, we don't even know what we want to talk about because it's the same thing every single year, every single week. And the players at this point, especially after the loss against the New York Jets, the atmosphere around NRG Stadium is dead and they are ready for these six games to be over with so they could say one, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at tickets for this game, guys, and um, ironically enough, you can get in the game in Houston on Sunday for like $7. So That's I, a I, damn just, shame. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it just goes to show like the state of the Texans right now. But, John, let me ask you about this as well. I mean, you, I, I imagine you talk about all season long on the show, but the Sean Watts situation – a cloud looming over this team so far throughout this season. What's the future hold for the quarterback spot in Houston? I mean, we talked about off the air, but Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, I imagine is not going to play another snap for the Texans. Maybe they draft someone. What What is the future hold next year for this Texans team? Do you just go out there and play Davis Mills or do you reach for a quarterback in next year's draft? Well, I don't believe you reach. I don't, I never believe that if you are a franchise that is in the midst of dysfunction, like the Houston Texans are, you don't reach for a quarterback unless you are 100% sure he is the guy that can take you to a next level, which I kind of feel bad for the New York Jets. I feel like they reached for Zach Wilson. Um, and if I'm Houston, I'm looking at due to the COVID uh, eligibility, they allow seniors to come back. So a lot of different players are coming out in this year's draft. They have their hands full. And when I look at the quarterback position, you're going to have your pick of the litter. But you do not reach in their first or second round, in my opinion. When I look at the quarterback position, I'm okay with Davis Mills getting a shot for next year. Do I believe he had a great rookie year? Absolutely not. Now, when we rank the rookies so far this year, you can make a case that he's the third best rookie to play football this year at quarterback. Mac Jones is obviously number one. Trevor Lawrence is number two. And at times, Davis Mills did look better than Trevor Lawrence throughout the season. But I'm okay with him coming back, giving him another year. Uh, and I definitely believe if he comes back, Tim Kelly doesn't come back. But getting him another year in the NFL, giving him the opportunity to adjust to the NFL speed and allow him to learn the game a lot more, uh, even better than what he had an opportunity to do this year. But in Houston's case, you will still have an opportunity to scout the quarterbacks coming back. I mean, sorry, coming out of the, out of the draft this year and free agency. And look and see, do you want to get a quarterback in the third or fourth round? Do you want to go out in free agency and look at the market and see if you want to bring in a quarterback? You can convince a quarterback to come to this situation, right? Because I think that's a whole part of what Houston is going to have to work through. It's convincing guys to come play for an organization that's ticket $7 right now, right? So that means the product on the field ain't good. But I do not believe you reach for a quarterback. And I saw the projections of Matt Corral coming here, quarterback out of Ole Miss. And I do like him. I like his game. But if he's projected to go number two, I don't think Houston should grab him. That's a valid point there. And I wanted to ask both you guys, Cody, you can start off here and then John as well. I mean, you guys can combine on this one because I'm just genuinely curious what you guys think about this situation with this roster. How many guys do you think are on the current Houston Texans that you think are on the next great Texans team? To be honest sorry, with sorry. you, 
Oh, you for go next ahead, John. year. No, I, I want to get it clear. Guys that are currently on a roster that will be here next year. Yeah, as far as like looking ahead down the road when the Texans are actually back to where they used to be under the prime Deshaun Watson years and obviously DeAndre Hopkins, Bill O'Brien, J.J. Watt, how many guys on this current team in 2021 do you think are going to be on the next great Houston Texans team? Like who are building blocks, so to say? If you don't mind, Cody, I can, I, if I don't, I can catch it. Uh, I think John Grenard is one of those players. Uh, he's a he's a guy who's been getting after the quarterback. What does he have right now, Cody? Nine sacks through twelve games that he's appeared in. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not 100 sure on Justin Reed anymore. But if I could pick one guy that I think will be here, it will be John Grenard, Nico Collins, the wide receiver that we drafted up for. And whether he's going to be getting playing time or a starter or not. I think Davis Mills will be here. I think he'll have an opportunity to compete. I don't, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure I can put my basket, my all my eggs in one basket for him, but I think he'll be around. Do I think he'll be a great player for this team? I'm not hundred percent sure. But Gernard and Nico Collins are the two players that I think if we look two or three years down the road, and if Houston is somehow able to go this year, they they may they may win another game, but two and fifteen next year go six and eleven. If they're able to get to a nine and ten type of deal, I'm sorry, nine and eight type of deal, I think those two guys would be around and will have an impact on the roster. And the one name that I would like to add to that list is Bourbon Jordan, our rookie tight end from Miami. Yes. He has looked really good. He came into the season. There was uh, there was some questions surrounding his blocking ability, but he has showcased over the last couple of weeks that he has done a really good job. He has actually taken the time to improve in that area. But outside of, you know, John Gennard, Nico Collins, Bourbon Jordan, I think Davis Mills might be a stretch. But, you know, he did look good at times this season, so I would say him. But outside of those four players, that's it. Yeah, it's just crazy the way this Texas team has looked the last year plus or so, just from where it was to now where it is. And we'll have to see what the future holds there. But that's it for my questions, guys. We can go ahead and dive into our last segment of the show. We're going to be doing a keys to the game and predictions. Before we do so, though, another quick word from our sponsors. Absolutely. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline with the game starts let's go ahead and dive into it here we're going to talk about the colts versus texans the keys to the game and predictions i just checked the betting lines before we got on the show guys the the colts are eight and a half point favorites over the texans i think that's personally too low this colts offense has been on fire the last six weeks i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here i think this is gonna be a game where I think the Colts score 40 points. I'm going to go on a limb and say that. I think this Colts team is going to run rough shot over the Texans here. I think this could be not a close game, but I'll let you chime in, John. What, what do you have to say about the line? I, I, I just, you know, Evan, every time we talk, man, and I, I got to, I know we're bad, but I got to be an advocate for the team I cover. Every time we talk, you disrespect us, man. We was the first NFL team in history to go 0 17. Yep. And, and we'll get it, but. 40 points, 
Well, I mean, we've, we've given up hey, three we... points so far this year a couple of times, so that's not unbelievable. But uh, in terms of the better line, I, I think eight and a half, I, I can see the Colts winning by 13 points. And I'll say that because Houston has shown throughout the year so far when they've played good teams, uh, excluding some games, but when they play good teams, they have a fight in them in the first half, whether they keep the, the game a little bit close. But then in the second half, teams are able to kind of kick the door open and run away with it. And that's why I do give the Indianapolis Colts that run, I mean, that edge. And on top of that, man, Jonathan Taylor, he's been a man amongst boys. You're absolutely right. By the way, we can't talk about running the ball. And we're in the same conference, division rather, with Derrick Henry, and he's still number two in rushing. And in and, and, and yeah. the year so far, right, that just speaks to how great he is. And he hasn't played in football in about a month. But Jonathan Taylor has been tremendous for that offense. And Pittman has been tremendous for that offense. And I think Carson Wentz, who's right now 2,700 yards, nearly 2,800, 21 touchdowns, five interceptions. You know, I think he's been pretty good for this offense, considering this is probably his first year since the MVP candidate year where we all feel he's healthy and he's focused, and he's comfortable, right? Even the record doesn't show it at 6-6, six and six, but overall, I do see this game ending. I can see 16-30. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, the only reason why I bring up 40 points is because the Colts put up 500, almost 600 yards of offense against the Jets, and the Texans didn't do that <laughs> against the Jets. And we saw what happened on that Thursday night game, Cody, where – the Colts really ran roughshod over that Jets team. I mean, that's the reason why I'm going in the direction I am for this prediction of this game. I just think that this Colts team is going to come out really pissed off from the way they lost that game against Tampa Bay. Just the way this Texas team has played recently, I think they're kind of sinking down the ship a little bit. So, I like you mentioned, John, I could see 30 to 16, but I'm going to go out and say 45 to 17. I think this Colts team really puts up a monster game. John Terry goes for 200 or so yards. I just don't know how they're going to stop him. So, Cody, let, let me. Let, I'll let you chime in here. I mean, what's your thoughts on this game? Because I just think if John Taylor gets going, I don't see any way that the Texans can stop this Colts offense. Please, Cody, help. It's two of us. It's two versus one right now. Don't, help me in this fight. You know, normally oh, I would help man. John in this fight. But what I will say is this. Yesterday, something interesting happened. The Houston Texans didn't have practice due to some questionable illnesses. And one of the guys who was sick was Brandon Cooks. Now, they say it was non-COVID related, but whatever sickness that's going around in the locker room, it, it was bad enough to cancel practice on Wednesday. And I think we can all agree that, you know, Wednesday might be the most important day of practice. You know, Fridays, there's the walkthroughs. You know, Saturdays, there's team meetings. But for a team that's two and nine, you know how important it is to stop the run. And by the way, the Houston Texans defense has looked really good, by the way. I'm, I'm not going to say they give up 40 points, but I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm sorry, John. Uh, I, I, I agree with Evan. I don't think they're going to give up 40, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give up like 35 or 38, especially considering that this defense has looked really good throughout the season. And they already gave up 31 points to Indianapolis earlier in the season. And Jonathan Taylor rushed for, what was it, 148 yards and gave up like 120 in the second half? 
You factor all this in, plus the Texans are coming off, like the last time, a winnable game that they should have won and it's killing the vibe inside NRG Stadium. I'm going with 35 to 7 Colts. I'm sorry, Damn. John. Damn. Yeah, that, that, that is another blowout there, too. Yeah, that that's let, let me just ask you guys this real quick, though, just because the Colts, the, the Colts keys of the game are very simple. Just get the ball in John Taylor's hands. You play mistake free football. You rust a quarterback on the defensive side. You force a turnover or two. I think this game could get really ugly really quick in favor of the Colts. But John, Cody, either one of you guys, how can the Texans pull off one of the most improbable wins uh, of the last few weeks in the NFL if they were to come out and beat this Colts team who's in the middle of a playoff race right now? If Deshaun Watson wakes up and say, you know what, I want to play. He's still on the roster. He he hasn't been, you know, <laughs> suspended. Um, you know, he he's not out with a with a season injury. You know, if he if he if he wants to play Sunday, he can. It's plain and simple. Um, you know, from my knowledge, virtual team meetings like they had on yesterday, he was there. That that's the only way I could see. Plus, you know, if, if Deshaun comes back and play, that will throw every defensive strategy you guys have off. That, that's the only way I could see the Texans winning this, but I, none whatsoever. Well, I, I think there could be one way, and I do want to counter with a question for you, Evan, before we get out of here. But I think that if the Houston Texans have any chance of winning this game, we got to look towards the defense. Now, in the last three weeks, they have uh, created 11 turnovers. I think with Houston creating those turnovers, if they can create turnovers and those turnovers come – in uh, a great field position, which we've seen before for Houston, even if they can return something for a touchdown, if that defense can play stout where the offense is now in a position where all you got to do is keep the ball in your hand, move the chains. We're not asking you to, you know, go out there, Tyrod, and having have a, a one of those miracle type of games. We're not asking you for that. We're asking you to go out there, manage the game, and let our defense win the game. But it's possible. But – Excuse me. But uh, the best case scenario would be for Deshaun Watson to wake up and just say, oh, I feel like playing football today. Or if you guys just, you know, <laughs> the, the team playing can't take off in time or something. I don't know. Everybody gets sick or I'm not 100% sure. But overall, realistically, I don't think there's nothing. However, people didn't pick us to beat the Tennessee Titans. And we did beat the Tennessee Titans, although they were injured, but they are still the better team who were riding a uh, three-game win streak at the time. I do want to ask you this question about Carson Wentz. Six and six. I just gave you guys the numbers. Nearly 2,800 yards, 21 touchdowns, five uh, interceptions. Has he been serviceable? Has he been average? Has he been above average? Or is it not fair to judge him at this time? I would say he's been above average. I think, quite honestly, he has raised the ceiling of this offense. We saw how good the Colts offense was last year at Phillip Rivers at some points, but we all know Phil is not going to move anywhere in the pocket. He's not going to take any steps around the pocket to make anything happen for himself. He didn't have a big arm. This is the first time the Colts have had a full open playbook since Andrew Luck in 2018. Carson Wentz is not Andrew Luck, but I would say he's a tier or two below that, which I think is a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And that's more than enough with the way this Colts team has built their offense. So specifically being around Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Carson Wentz can just be a, a really good game manager, take shots down the field, play smart football. 
for what the Colts ask him to do in this offense, I think he is an above average quarterback. And the price they paid for him, a first round pick in next year's draft, is tough to swallow. But he's only 28. He's going to be 29 later this month. He could be your quarterback for the next three to five, six, seven years if it all works out for them. So I think the price they paid is, is good. And if Carson Wentz continues to develop, if they add more pieces around Carson Wentz, just imagine if they go out and get a big name wide receiver for agency to go with Michael Pittman to help out Carson Wentz. They have a lot of cast spaces upcoming season. You can really have a dynamic offense with an elite wide receiver with Pittman, with Jonathan Taylor, and Carson Wentz can really just throw it around and make things happen relatively easily. I mean, this Colts offense, I think, is a couple moves away to really be a, a potent offense with Carson Wentz. There you have it. That's going to be it, guys, for our crossover special. Appreciate John and Cody, Locked On Texans. I am Evan Sire, the host of Locked On Colts. Make sure you're subscribed on the Locked On Podcast Network with you guys every single day, Monday through Friday. In the meantime, enjoy the game on Sunday, and it's going to be a good one. We'll have to see how it goes. We all predicting the Colts to win in blowout fashion here. We'll see if I'm right about the 40 points. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to see on that. But, hey, in the meantime, everyone, appreciate you listening and watching, and have a good one. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.